You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. It's what you hear and listen. It's what you hear and listen. X go give it to you. Fuck wait for you to get it on your own. X go deliver to you. Knock, knock, open up the door to spill. With the non-stop pop problem from stainless steel. Go hard getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart that I make the motherfucker wonder if you did it. Damn right, and I do it again. Cause yeah. I am like so I got to win. Break bread with the enemy. What up, everybody, and welcome to episode 103 of 2, 5, and 10. Benny, what up? You know, I know I might lead off with this fairly frequently, but it's just really nice to not have to freeze my nuts off when I walk Kobe at 8 o'clock in the morning anymore. I would pay to be able to walk Joey at 8 in the morning. I'm out there at about 5.30 every morning before work. So, <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I can't complain no matter what. <laughs> Uh, speaking of not having to freeze their nuts, I mean, not a bad, uh, pick up and move situation for Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. Yeah. The only thing is now, uh, Palmieri's face is going to be a little more free without that beard for Lou in the, on Long Island. So I'm sure everyone knows the story by now, but yesterday we had probably the biggest guy in the free agent market and Kyle Palmieri uh, trade between the Islanders and Devils. The Islanders received Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. The Devils ended up receiving forward AJ Greer, forward Mason Jopes, a first round pick this year. And then there was a conditional 2022 fourth round pick that will change to a third round pick. If the Islanders make the Stanley cup final. And I believe they would, get the option new jersey would get the option of whether it's a 22 third round pick or a 23 third round pick so uh plenty there i do think that uh the islanders look like they're in the driver's seat right now man i i think kyle palmieri and travis zajac definitely make them a lot deeper of a team especially after losing andrews lee for the year it's that knee injury uh palmieri kind of plays a similar style of game he'll help on a power play and he steps right into their Top six. The thing with the Islanders is there's we talk about your yeah, top six and depth and everything. They really don't have a top six. It's more like a group of nine guys that just say slide up and down a lineup from center to wing. And it's just kind of what's working at that time, which is really hard to play against. But Palmieri fits that. Zajac is just, you know, at this point, he knows what he's doing. He's a veteran guy. If needed, he can step in during their run. Uh, stepping into playoff series, uh, win some face-offs for you on a fourth line, you know, big body. He's just kind of a toss in uh, my mind. And the thing with Palmieri is, nice player. The fact that he was, everybody knew he was going to get dealt, and everybody pegged him as, like, one of the top two to three forwards that was going to be dealt at this year's deadline shows just how poor the quality of players available at this year's deadline is. Like, no knock on him. But, like, if you go back five, ten years ago, he'd be like, uh, oh, yeah, this guy was dealt right before the deadline hit a 3 p.m. type of trade. <laughs> I don't know. I think Kyle Palmieri is very underrated. In the past five years, he is top five in right wingers for scoring. So, I mean, yeah, he scored 24 goals for every year for five years, right? I believe that Something was the like number. That. But, I mean, dude, I mean, I'd kill for a right winger like that. So yeah, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would have been a perfect fit. And 
ironically enough, I mean, does this trade go down in like typical Lou Lamarillo fashion or what? Just there is no rumblings of him going to the Islanders and then bing, bang, boom, sweet Lou ends up on top again. I, yeah, that's true. That came out of nowhere, but it was also surprising. It seemed to have, have opened up in the last two, maybe three years where the Islanders, Devils, and Rangers, and Flyers, they are loosening up their restrictions on trading with each other. Like, there's been, for a decade, there was almost, like, no movement. Like, even if the Islanders were sellers, so like, there's no way we can trade them to the Devils or the Rangers. Now it's just like, Kyle Palmieri is going to the Islanders, and it's, like, not a big deal anymore. So I thought that was interesting. I find it, I don't, I don't want to say interesting, too, but that... Lou ends up getting Zajac too. Like, uh, I don't his know. If, uh, yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if Call Palmieri was one of his boys, but Travis definitely was. Um, lucky enough for them to fit them under the cap. I do think, like you said, someone like Zajac is gonna help them depth wise tremendously for the playoffs for that push. Now, a question I have to you is. This Anders Lee injury, I, I think it hurts the Islanders a lot more than people give it credit for. Like, I think that is a huge gaping hole. I do think putting Palmieri with Barzell is also, I, I, I think it's pretty sexy. I think that's a good word to describe it. But now, Kyle Palmieri is a Long Island boy. He's due for a raise, going to be UFA. Now, the question I have for you is, do you even think he stays? Like, they're already so strapped to the cap. I don't think there's any yeah. way they can re-sign either of these guys. So is it like, did Big just, uh, Lou give up too much? I mean, I, I think it was fair, but I mean, what do you think? Do you think Jersey gave up too much, or is it just one of those things of, hey, we wanted a strike while the iron was hot. Why wait until 3 o'clock on Monday? Yeah, I mean, you want to get him in, especially with everything going on with COVID, I'm sure, not that he has to quarantine, but I'm sure there's some type of league restrictions on him just popping over into the locker room right away and practicing. But the Devils, I mean, they did well because I don't know if many got, people were banking on a first-round pick being dealt for Palmieri. Not saying that he's a bad player, but like if, he seemed to be more along the lines of like, a quality prospect and like a second and a fourth round pick or something like that. The fact that New Jersey got a first round pick for a guy who's like you said, pending UFA and the two prospects they got back Greer and jokes are nobodies according to a lot of scouts that have been reading the last day or so. They're more just probably AHL bodies at this point. So they got a first round pick and a third or fourth round pick for two pending UFAs who could end up re-signing in the off season if they wanted to. So um, I think New Jersey did well, and I think with the players available on a market, you know, every, a lot of teams are so bunched together, and then you look at the teams that you know are out of it, they don't have a guy that can step in and re try and replicate an Anders Lee. So this is the best you're going to get, and Lou got the best guy for for not only what hole they had to fill, but also for the price that they could fit him under. So I think it was a home run for the Islanders, and I think it was a solid return for the Devils. It's going to be even better return if Palmieri resigns in New Jersey in the summer. So, I think what you said there was crucial too. Lou went for the best guy to replace Anders Lee because you know we we could have the argument all day as to who we thinks better, Taylor Hall or this that the other thing. Yeah. But 
As for actually stepping in there and playing a role, yes, I I agree completely. Kyle Palmieri fits that role. He knows what to expect out of Lou. Lou knows what to expect out of him. Uh, I think I think the biggest thing is what you said in the beginning was he's going to look completely different with that beard gone. He's going from like the hairy <laughs> the hairiest the man on the island to nothing. So they made their debut tonight, and he already shaved for Lou. So. All right, so now I find this interesting, right? So previously to this, um, Canada had lifted their quarantine to only seven days at the trade deadline for players. Uh, The NHL was currently still on a seven-day quarantine period for players being traded, but due to the location of this one where they can just put them in a car and he can come right across, they're golden. So I, I think Lou thought this through completely, and he's going to have guys in his lineup that can play instantly. They're not missing three or four games on top of it and then trying to get reacquainted. Like He's throwing guys right into the fire, and I think this works out perfect for them. Agreed. And like the thing is, now that Palmieri's gone, right, and you start looking at the Capitals, the Penguins, the Bruins, and – What's their response going to be to that? There's really not a big-time response they can make because, like I said earlier, in my mind, unless you're going to be overpaying for somebody, like you looked at Nashville a few weeks ago, and it was like Arvidsson would look good for the Bruins. Like he would look good anywhere. But now Nashville's back in it. So I think, in my mind, Arvidsson was probably the second-best forward that might have been available. He's off, probably, unless you're going to give them two first-round picks on a quality prospect, not getting them. So then you start looking at what's left. There's not really too much that can kind of match what the Islanders just did. So I think that's another reason why Lou just stepped right in. It's kind of like setting the tone of we're the boys here in the division. Everybody else is playing for second place and just sending that message to the locker room. I mean, Barry Trotz will have that system locked down. Boys will be in tip-top shape. So <laughs> I, I think the Islanders are where people in the past have considered them not of caliber. I mean, this team is going to be a tough out. Uh, I think you can put slapping on them right now. I Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have the coaching, you have the system, you have a young superstar in Barzell, you have plenty of guys around him that can contribute, and probably the best fourth line in hockey. Yeah, and then you have that. I know it was in the bubble, but they had solid performance in the bubble. Uh, to end last season it's like they build off of that and i think now making this move yes would have been better if they still had andrews lee and then added to it obviously yes now you're telling the room we're not going to use that as an excuse like you you guys we're it's us i think that goes a long way just for the mental aspect of it for the guys i agree on that completely uh, there was also another trade today between the blackhawks and the panthers uh florida shipping out Brett Connolly, defenseman Riley Stillman, the rights to Henrik Borgstrom in a 2021 seventh-round pick coming back the other day were two Lucases, Lucas Carlson and <laughs> Lucas Walmark. What do you think about that? So, I mean, Connolly was on his way out in Florida. He's falling down at, He was falling down a depth chart there. Um, so I think this is a good fresh start for him. He'll get some power play time. I still think he's a solid guy. I know his... You weren't the biggest fan, but I still think he's a solid like third line right winger who can contribute on a power play here and there. So I think going to a place like Chicago is just another opportunity for him. I what I like most about the deal, and this might be 
you know, trying to read into it too much, is them getting Stillman and Borkstrom. I still think Stillman, still think Stillman, has potential to be like a solid, dependable top six defenseman. And I still think Borkstrom, if he wants to come over and sign his deal, like we were talking the other day about how Chicago could use some more center depth. And they have a guy who, still young, former first-round pick, has size. You never know. He can come in, compete in camp. If he's your 3C to start next year, like, I don't think Chicago's going to complain. And they get that for Carlson. And I know Walmart is, like, always one of those guys who, hey, if he puts it together this year, he got a good young guy. And he's going to be that until he's, like, 31 years old. I don't know if he's ever going to put it together, but I think this is a really solid deal for Chicago. I agree. I think Bjorkstrom is vital here. And I think part of the players of signing, like at the beginning of the year, what were your expectations for Florida? Mine were the usual of they have the lineup to do it. What's actually Mm going to happen? So maybe this kid thought about signing and he was thinking the same thing. Now when, you know, now in this trade, he's out to Chicago. They're a lot younger of a team. Maybe he thinks he'll fit in better there. I, I know that's... I don't want to say they're in a rebuild because they're in a playoff spot right now, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's like it seemed like it was a rebuild to us. So with that, maybe he just thinks there's more of an opportunity, more chances to go because there's not as many of the big names in the sense of yes, there's Patrick Kane there, but you can also grow with Alex DeBrinket and you can grow with Dylan mm-hmm. Strom. So maybe it's just a uh, easier transition for him. He could also slide in behind. Um, Taves and uh, Kirby, if he you knows, doesn't play in the World Trading Championships and break his wrist again. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the other thing is, who knows w- what Taves' situation is going to be next year. So Yeah, so, like, I'm highlighting the fact that he's not a former first-round pick of the Chicago Blackhawks. He doesn't have that kind of burden to carry with him like he did in Florida, where he was supposed to be, like, this up-and-coming guy who's going to help support Barkoff. Now he's just a guy who's going to come to camp, hopefully in Chicago's eyes, come to camp, compete for a spot, and utilize his talent. So I think that also will help him uh, if he decides to come over to Chicago as well. So it's a gamble. And I think both of us had Florida in that three to five range in their division, like Mm -hmm. good enough to make the playoffs, but we just don't know. And I think it was like, no, I don't think anybody had them pegged to be leading for the president's trophy right now. <laughs> no, and if they did, they're full of shit. Like that's one of those like flip floppers. Like I told you guys from the beginning. Like fuck you, no, you didn't. Yeah. So I love the deal for Chicago. I think over the last eighteen months, they've been doing a really good job stockpiling some assets, having guys come in like Dylan Strom come in, who quote unquote was a bust in the desert. He comes in, rebuilds his value a little bit, and now they have the potential to push him to the wing and keep him in their top nine or train him for assets. And that's a win when you basically got him for below market value in that deal. And now you can flip him for additional assets or just keep him and have him develop on a wing. So, yeah, I think reunite the junior team teammate and to helped them out a lot too. that, that line of, it was McDavid, DeBrinket, and Strom when they were in Aerie was fucking ridiculous. I think that line had about 400 and something points that year. So, And Chicago also made a small deal. Uh, they got Hinnis Shoza back. 
I did see that. I do like Vinny Hennestrodes. Also from Florida. <laughs> I, I, I like Vinny Hennestrodes. I, I think it's been tough for him to transition a little bit into the NHL or to constantly be an NHL player. But but I like what he gives you. He's a little bit smaller of a forward, not the flashiest, but yeah. he definitely gets the job done, kind of just a grinded-out kind of player. I've always liked Vinny, even when he was in junior, just kind of watched him growing up. Yeah. So... I mean, this is just getting things started. You know, deadline is, what, a week away? Um, like we talked about before, even with the reduced quarantine for uh, the Canadian teams, like things are going to start moving. We're recording this on Thursday, to April 8th. I would say, like, we'll obviously record the day of the deadline next week just to recap everything. But I would say Sunday and Monday will probably be, like, when mo- most deals start getting done, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a, a deadline where it's like at 2.48, a date uh, trade's getting sent in because like you don't have the benefit of time this year. No, everything will definitely be well-planned, that's for sure. Um, then the other thing we wanted to talk about before we get into weekend review, well, we have two other things, but the Canucks situation in Vancouver with the COVID outbreak, I know it's terrible. We'll get into the specifics of them, but I've got to say, the fact that there is basically an entire team that is positive for COVID, and it, the NHL didn't have it spread to other teams that they played before they stopped playing, I think is a really good indicator of how well the NHL has implemented strategies to avoid that. Unlike Major League Baseball last year, um, who had a couple instances of cross-team contamination, but... It's basically been just isolated to Vancouver, and they've been ravaged in the last, like, 10 days. Yeah, Vancouver got completely eaten up by this. So they said in total it was 20 players and then four members of the coaching slash training staff. These guys were in extremely rough shape. Uh, IVs delivered to the house. They were then giving it to significant others, even while being on quarantine, this one was ugly. It happened really quick. I, I was reading on a thing yesterday, though. They said that there was a variant as to why they had all gotten sick. They said the British Columbia Health Department had come out. They were still trying to find the variant. So now I think they're trying to narrow it down as to whether it's a player, a coach, or whatever it was that was able to spread it. So that person may be sick. They may not be sick. So it was kind of crazy just reading up on it. Um Bill Daly came out today and says he hopes that as of next week, the team will be up and running again. I don't know if that's the case. I know that they've already been in quarantine already for a week now, so maybe there's a chance. But with something like this ravaging a whole team, like we've had COVID cases here and there, a couple of players on teams, nothing to this extent. I mean... What are the long-term effects? Because, you know, we, we've heard of COVID giving, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez in baseball, whatever, myotiosis or whatever it was, like a heart condition. So it's like, are all of these players going to be able to come back and not have any health risks associated? I, I think that's the biggest variable right now for the Vancouver Canucks. Well, you have the individual health variables, but you also have their play. Like, I know he didn't want to use it as an excuse and there's no definitive proof that this is why he started off so slow. But look at Mika. He had COVID during training camp. It took him 40 games, 30 to 40 games to get back into how he was playing last year. 
So even if the whole team comes back and only a handful of guys have sh- struggled getting it going, like that's a big time problem. And it, yes, they're on the outside looking in for the playoffs, but yeah, it, obviously that's just on ice related. Like I'm sure they would rather play slowly and be healthy versus play well and then end up having long term health issues. The other thing with Bill Daly, I really don't know where he would get the idea of next week because what I was reading over the last few days, based on quarantining uh, system that's in place and a policy in place by the league and also by British Columbia, they were saying that the next earliest game they could possibly play was April 18th, which is 10 days from today. So if that's the case, there's no way they were saying that they can finish the, their full schedule in the cushion that the NHL built in between the end of the regular season, scheduled end of the regular season and the beginning of the playoffs. So it looks like it's going to come down to they'll get as many games in as possible, but they won't finish a full 56 and they won't play those games unless it has playoff implications. So Vancouver might end up just playing instead of 56 games, they might end up playing like 48 to 50 instead of the full 56. So the other thing for me is, Everybody gets back healthy, hopefully. They come back, they start kicking up the schedule again. Do you want to be the first team going on the road to Vancouver? No, I, I, I wouldn't like... <laughs> be worried about that. I mean, just the way that the protocols are and everything else, I mean, they would have to have three negative tests within X amount of hours. So I, I think from a personal safety standpoint, I wouldn't be worried about it. I would still be like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all right, well, that's going into Vancouver. Would you feel all right if they were coming to you, or are you still on the fence? I would. I just wouldn't want to be the first team to play the back-to-back against them. <laughs> like, just that long of an exposure on the ice and not wearing masks, like, things like that. So, Do you think this could I be know, the first game we see people, like, wear masks on the ice? Dude, I don't know. Just walking with a mask in the summertime is, like, terrible enough as, like, an out of shape piece of shit. So I couldn't imagine wearing a mask like an, an N95 while playing NHL hockey. I mean, well, these guys take the fucking VO2 test. They take the bike test. They'll be <laughs> fine, right? Yeah. So that's just a personal thing because of like germs, everything else. I'm just like, yeah. So if I was playing Vancouver and they're like, all right, get on the ice, I'd be like, all right, I'm not going to say a word. If anybody's talking shit or there's a scrum after, I'm not getting involved. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully everybody gets back healthy. Um, the thing that makes me feel the most terrible is like the wives or the girlfriends or a family of the players getting sick because they're just, you know, this is a tough time for them too, even before uh, the men in their life got sick. So now that they're getting sick as bystanders, it's kind of tougher to hear than, you know, Tanner Pearson getting it. So, yeah, I heard this was like one of the worst ones that they've seen, just anybody and everybody close to it. And, like I said before, I mean, IVs, hospitalization, dehydration, like this one just kicked the shit out of all of them. So, Do you know if the Bruins got their vaccinations yet? Because the Rangers got theirs two days ago. That I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they've come out and said it. I, I'm not too sure. I would hope or I would assume that they've got it, but I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, the Rangers posted about it on their Instagram. Uh, they got the Johnson & Johnson one because it's one only time. one dose. Yeah. And also, they didn't want to take the higher-performing protection shots, like Moderna and Pfizer, away from like the general population. But what was funny was Buchnevich 
he was getting a shot. They were like filming it for Instagram, and he looked at the camera and he goes, "This isn't the Putin shot, right?" <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure the Bruins, if they haven't gotten it yet, they probably have something set up the next time uh, they're home because I know they, they're in Washington now. So yeah, um, well, speaking of getting shot, it, it seemed like this week there were. Two very high-profile guys that, oh. that had gotten shot out of a cannon, and there, there was some anger. There was some frustration. We had two separate incidences. Uh, one was with Connor McDavid and the Mac Daddies. Yeah, yeah. Say the 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 McAngries, I guess we could call yeah. them. Um, McDavid and how do you say his last name? Kokanemi. Yeah, that's as close as you're ever going to get. <laughs> uh, I'm going to roll with that. So they were playing the Montreal Canadiens, and McDavid threw a vicious elbow extremely late to... Away from the play. Oh, yeah. like It, it was not even close, and... Still had a character for him. He, he got fined on it, which I was very surprised about. Uh, the max... Like 5000 5, He got the max under the uh, NHLPA bargaining agreement. And then McKinnon and Cardinal Garland got into a little tussle, <laughs> and uh, Nate McKinnon rips off Carner Garner's helmet, which is a penalty in the NHL, which wasn't called on this, mind you. And then after he had his helmet in his hand, he threw it back at Garland right in the face. Um, for me, going back to the McDavid one, vicious elbow, late headshot. Listen. I understand he is your suspended. I that's what I was getting to. I don't know. I, I understand he's the league's peanut butter and jelly, but fuck man, like that is direct. That's blatant. That's to the head. That's the shit you want out of the game. Because this is the thing now. I don't know if they play again Montreal and Edmonton. I'm but sure they do. if they do, right, and someone goes after fucking McDavid, all hell's gonna break loose. Yeah. But at the same point, I mean in hockey, that is what we consider liable. If you do that, the next time you play somebody, you're expected to own up to it. Is he going to do that? Don't know. I doubt it. I don't it. think Edmonton will let him. Well, I mean, uh, then what's it going to be? Am I going to fucking slash McDavid or Dreisaitl on the wrist? Do, you know, hey, you you want to fucking give Kokanyemi a conky? Well, here you go. Is a broken wrist. Go fuck yourself. Like, and that's the thing. Like the NHL puts themselves in this position. One, you can send a message the to the league all the time. Like McDavid is not untouchable. So if he can get suspended, you better wash your ass. So they don't do that. And also, like you said, they take like they have the ability to take the unnecessary rough stuff out of the game. By policing it correctly, the players always say, "If you're if you're not going to police it, we will." So if they suspended him, Montreal, yeah, they're still going to be annoyed. They'll take their shots against them next time they play, like not cheap shots, and they're not going to like jump the dude. But you know, they'll go they'll go in hard on the checks. They'll slash him on the back of the skates when he's going up the rink. But now it's like, all right, so you guys aren't going to handle it. I guess we have to. And then now, if that ha- happens. Now, all of a sudden, it'll be a bigger deal. It'll make more news stories. There'll be more clips of it. And then the NHL will finally come down hard, not on Conor McDavid, but on Montreal for going after him. And then it'll be like a four-game suspension for Josh Anderson or wh- whoever. And then it's Montreal's going to get even more pissed. Like, oh, so now we get the punishment for it, you know? So the NHL constantly does this. 
I'm sure it had something to do with it being McDavid, and I'm sure it's some bullshit of, well, he's never been suspended before. Yeah, if you never suspend somebody, no matter what they do, they'll never have a suspension history. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't if get you, it. <laughs> if you never get anything reprimanded, then you'll be fine. And then that's the other part of it, too, is, so are they just always going to find guys? Is that is that going to be the only thing? Just well, and if we like he wipes his ass with that. Well, did did you see the thing? I thought this is well. I don't want to say funny about the elbow, but they said that Connor McDavid actually made two grand out of elbowing him. Even after the fine, they broke down his salary, what he gets <laughs> per minute, like all this shit. Like so, technically, even after the fine, everything Connor McDavid still made like twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah, and and what's it? balancing act for the NHLPA, but aren't you supposed to be protecting the entire group of players? Like that's my assumption. That that's like, what wouldn't I wouldn't you want guys not to have concussion issues and then when they're in retirement they start having memory issues or physical problems. So yeah, it sucks that you would give the NHL the right to fine and take away money in terms of salary from members of your union. But if that's at the expense of making everybody healthier. Like, I don't know how the NHLPA will put up such a fight and be like, you can't find our guys any more than $5,000 as a chunk change if they injure one of our other union members. Like, and like, that's the other thing too. Like when you look at it as a whole, like we have this battle all the time at work because like in certain departments, certain guys get certain pay scales. So us in highway, we get paid a lower rate than the water guys. But when it comes to snow and ice, you know, we figure since we do it all the time, we would then get called first for it. But no, 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 you, you can't change that list because if you do, you're now taking food out of another union brother's mouth from the water shop. And it's like, well, when they're making more fucking money than I am, they're taking food out of my wealth. But, it, but it's like the double-edged sword. You, you can't have it that way. And uh, like you said, for, you're going around and you're sending out elbows like that. You you could possibly end a guy's career. They're not playing in the show anymore. They're they're, yeah. they're trying to put the pieces back together. Like look at Safard. Yeah. And the McKinnon thing. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? But it was also kind of funny. And you can tell, like, he restrained himself because he could have chucked that bitch overhand. You know what I mean? Like, if that was Tom Wilson, Tom Wilson would have like started punching him in the head with the helmet. Oh yeah, like, but but in fairness though, it was not like a polite like. I all right, here you go. <laughs> like that was like a Jenny Finch fucking softball <laughs> fastball coming right at your face. But yeah, it, I when I saw that for some reason I just chuckled. I was like, yeah, that's a shitty thing. But like, whatever. It's not like it's nothing where I would be like fucking losing my shit over. I mean, obviously, if I was the guy, I would. But like, <laughs> and, and now that we've gotten to this point. Can I get a Rangers weekend review for the people? Come on, Benny. I'll make this quick because I know you have a sermon to deliver from the mountaintop. <laughs> but the Rangers, so they uh, they split the uh, back-to-back on the road against Buffalo. Uh, both games required extra time, which is like not great. Um, and then they were home on Tuesday. They routed the Penguins 8-4. to they're currently trailing after two periods, three to two to the Penguins at the Garden. Um, the only two things I wanted to highlight is one: Colin Blackwell has 11 goals in a year and is now in the top 20 of goal scorers in the Eastern Conference, which is like, all right. I, I guess anybody who spends any amount of time 
on a wing with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin is going to pop 15 goals a year no matter what. That's great to know for salary cap purposes. And uh, Vitaly Krasov made his NHL debut uh, against the Sabres. had a really strong debut, um, almost scored a goal. Then he ends up playing with Kevin Rooney and Phil DiGiuseppe and gets 13 minutes of ice time on Tuesday on a fourth line. Not too sure if that's the best way to put a young goal-scoring prospect in a position to succeed, but you know that's why they're the Rangers, and I'm sitting here doing a podcast, so we'll see. But he's had a pretty strong debut. He doesn't look out of place much lankier than I expected. I thought he would have put on a little bit more weight since his draft day. Bulk up, uh, Chubby. Yeah, so... I know. I think it'll be good. Like he'll spend some time with Igor and Pavel and get some shit ironed out. Um, but other than that, it's been fairly standard for the Rangers. You know, their offense has really come alive in the last month or, or so. Uh, combine that with the re- renewed focus on their defensive structure under Jacques Martin, and the Rangers have been going on a run lately. I think they have eight. They've won eight of the last 12, uh, so they're making a little push of it for a playoff spot. Like we said, I said before we started recording, a little too late um, for a shortened season. If this was a full 82-team year, I would feel a little bit more confident about making an actual push against you guys for that fourth spot. But I think too little too late is still a good experience for the young guys. And obviously, you, you never say never until you're eliminated. But um, I know it's just solid all around. And... You know, Igor is really starting to come to his own. It's just circling a goal. So uh, the concern that I have of Georgiev is on a back burner now. But, yeah, we'll see where offense takes us and our power play takes us because Panarin's back. Zibanejad is back to being himself. Kreider on a, on a uh, goal mouth on a power play. Shom's point per game at this point. Uh, Lafreniere is starting to turn it around. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for week in review. We play the Islanders. Tomorrow, and then on Sunday, and then we had three, four straight against the Devils, which is like crazy. Uh, one at one on the road, then two straight at home, then one on the road again. Uh, so that's but our, you're sleeping in your season. bed every night. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. You know what? Let me look ahead. Yeah, we don't leave the New York City area for the rest of the season. Hey, that that's solid. So we play the Islanders, the Devils, the Flyers at home, the Sabers at home, and then the Islanders, and that's it. Hey, if you can sleep in your bed every night, that that is more <laughs> of a benefit to you guys. So hats off there. Yeah, so I know we wrap up the year against you guys up in Boston. I think even if we lose both those games, if we can go to TD Garden to wrap up the year in a position where if like, we win both games, we make the playoffs, Like I'd be extremely happy. Even if we come up short, just being in that position shows that We've continued to play well, and the young guys have continued to step up. So I'd be happy with that. All right. That's that's something solid to build off of going forward. So tell me about your bees, who Nick Ritchie handled his business against Hathaway tonight, by the way. I, I did see that. Very happy for that. Uh, so last time we recorded was Tuesday the 30th. So the Bruins play that night against the Devils. We end up winning in a shootout 5-4 to four on what I must say was a – beautiful shootout goal by Charlie Coyle. Like, beautiful fucking goal. Um, Then we played Thursday against the Penguins, and we get absolutely curb stomped. We were shit that whole game. Me, me and the Strat Daddy were at the nines watching it, and 
It was awful. It, it, like, there was nothing. Uh, Saturday, we played the Penguins again, and we end up winning 7-5 to five after we had a really slow start. I believe we were down 2 nothing or 3 nothing, and, and then we came back, and we end up winning this game. We're scoring goals. Shit's working. Uh, we play the Flyers back-to-back. We play them Monday the 5th and then Tuesday the 6th, and we lose in overtime to Philly at home on Monday. And then we end up beating them on Tuesday the 6th in Philadelphia for Zach Swayman's debut. Swayman played out of his mind. We were completely gone in the second period there. There was no help for this poor kid. Kept us in it. We end up winning a game. Bergie ends up getting a hat trick. Now a part of the 900-point club with the Bruins. Was that the game that Marshan flexed? I don't know if With that was the scrum. one he swept. Oh yeah, that was the one. The one where he took down Sunquist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> y- yes, that was one. Oh, hold on, I'm gonna sneeze. Hold on, here we go. <coughs> oh God, see, I'm allergic to this team. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I was about to say it's like the Bruins' uh, reaction to be told to play a full 60 minutes. Oh, so this is my take on this team right now. Tuca's out. We don't have a timeline on a return. Brandon Carlo came back, played one or two games, and now he's back out with an injury. Uh, It is not concussion-related per Bruce Cassidy. It could be. He could just be saying that. No timetable for his return. Charlie McAvoy is now, quote-unquote, day-to-day with an upper body injury, but he is not with the team tonight in Washington. He is back home in Boston, which makes me think he's getting evaluated by doctors, which means Mm -hmm. it's not day to day. Now going forward, we have a big trade deadline on Monday. We're playing the capitals right now, currently three to two in the second. And then we're playing the flyers on Saturday. And then the capitals on Sunday at home, Monday's the trade deadline. Then we play Buffalo. This is what I'm thinking. It is not fair to try and build this team for a deep playoff run when if we are stuck in this four spot, it's guaranteed we're playing Washington or the Islanders, mm-hmm. and we're not going to get by them. We're not. That, that That's a fact. Uh, I mean, I, I can already see people cringing. I, I can see it. It's not going to happen. That. That's it. Period. Dot. Season's over in the first round. I I don't give a shit who you go out and get. You can get Taylor Hall. You can get fucking Tanner Pearson, but even though he just signed an extension, you you can get Goligoski on. You can get whoever you want. It's not going to happen. Now, with that, David Krejci is a UFA going into the summer. I think David Krejci should be gone at this deadline. And... This is not a production standpoint. This is a building for the future standpoint. David Krejci, we will ship you off at the deadline. And if you want to come here next year, BR2C and sign a deal, a one year for four and a half million, the contract is signed. You're welcome back at any time. What would you give him on an annual basis? Uh, Krejci's 34, so maybe he'll be 35 by next year. Um the most I'd go is two at five each. That's not bad. Uh, but I mean, it, 
it, it, this isn't David Krejci's fault. Like, yeah, the, for for a guy who has not had a consistent winger since fucking Milan Lucic, this is <laughs> not David Krejci's fault. Yeah, but if you're looking at now, we we have to be like you guys in the sense of we have to rebuild on the fly because Bergie's getting up there in age. Once his Bergie's gone, whenever that ends up being, I mean, is Marshy still going to be the same player without Bergeron? I don't know. He, he's played with Bergie mm. his whole career. Yeah. Yet again, am I thinking too far ahead? Maybe. But but I like to be fucking set out for a couple of years. So this is my next thing. Trade Isn't David- it Lou Lamorella who was just like, no, it's Belichick. I'd rather get rid of a guy a year too early than a year too late. Yeah. I mean, j- just strictly off return. David Krejci is a notorious playoff performer. Notorious. Yeah. I send him to Chicago, and I have Chicago with all that LTIR money eat half of his cap, and then they send him to Vegas some way, somehow. We we end up making that work whichever way it is. Now, Sean Corrali, he's a UFA. Are we going to re-sign him at the end of the year? Don't know. Ship him out. Uh, Chris Wagner has been healthy health-scratched for a long time now. He ended up playing last game, and magically he reappeared. He finally fucking hit somebody. He he was noticeable on all the plays. So maybe that was what he needed. But if this is the consistency we're going to get out of Chris Wagner for a fourth-line center slash right wing, 1.35 a year, I'll give it to a kid on an entry level. See you later. Uh, Have a good one. Charlie Coyle has been dog shit. Our, our third line center. I mean, if we move David Krejci, if we don't re-sign David Krejci, he's going to be our two C next year. He's been awful. Ship him out. We need to rebuild on the fly. We need to happen fast. Uh, I'm waiting for everyone to come at me. Like, listen, Tuka's UFA, Yaro's UFA. We're not re-signing Yaro Halak. We're going to either go with Swayman or Vladar. Probably Swayman. He, he he's been very good. He's looked very well for a rookie. But Evan Miller, UFA, going to next year, if there's any interest at the deadline, get rid of him. Stephen Camfer, UFA, any interest, get rid of him. Jared Tenorti, I know we just signed him. Get rid of him. Get as much stock in value, whether it's prospects, draft picks, or actual roster players to make this team better for next year. Because this year ain't it. This isn't the year. And... I understand people are going to be frustrated and maybe I'm overreacting, but if you're looking at the bigger picture, you have to sell at this deadline. You have to. If you guys did end up selling, you guys would have the most, probably the most attractive assets on the market. Like you guys can make a haul if you wanted to. Absolutely. And going into next year. I have to eat some money for some guys because of the flat cap, but if you ate if you ate half of his remaining salary, like you would get a quality prospect and a and a future first rounder from Vegas for Krejci. I'll take it. If you sent Tuca to Carolina, or you sent Tuca to Colorado, you would get a first round pick and a quality prospect. I'll take it. Like you know what I mean? I'll I'll, I'll fucking take it just because. L- listen, at this point now too. Tuka's health year to year isn't there. Like, we don't yeah. know how many games he's playing. Currently 34. 
the concussion history, the groin, the shit your pants, the whole nine. Don't get me wrong. Tuka Rask, when he is playing, he is a great goaltender. Top five in the National Hockey League. But for the point that he is now of reliability of being in the lineup, it's not there. It's not yeah. there. Like, I, I just, we can't go on with this. I would rather next year go into it with Swayman and Vladar and say, boys, this is your crease. One of you is going to be here. The other one's going to be the backup. You want to see fucking lights out from a 22-year-old and a 23-year-old? There it is. Kind of like what Chicago did this year. Fucking boys, you want the crease? Stop the puck. Earn it. Yeah. I, I just, I think that some people are too embedded into this team as to possibilities but I think we need to be realistic here and see that our window this year with the teams that are in front of us is closed. So now we have to go out and alter our lineup for this year to be better for next year. And I don't think it's crazy talk, but Sweeney waited on Paul Mary. Paul Mary's gone. Pearson just signed an extension in Vancouver. He's probably off the market. Who the fuck are we going to bring in here? Who? Here, Riley, Na- uh, Riley Nash is available. <laughs> yeah, like, legit. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring back Riley Nash. We'll, we'll, we'll trade Riley Nash for Charlie Coyle. Like, <laughs> come on. Is, um, like, you keep talking about, like, the early rounds of the playoffs where it would be uh, against Washington or the Islanders. And if you happen to win that round, then you're probably playing Washington or the Islanders uh, yeah. after they finish with Pittsburgh. And then even if you get past them, do Bruins fans really have the confidence that you would be Tampa Bay, that you no. would be Carolina, no. that you'd be Florida? Like, no. I know you guys have the history, and I know, like, I always say, like, the Bruins are the Patriots of the NHL for me, where it's like, as long as you have Bergeron, as long as you have Marchand, as long as Tuka's in goal, and you had, like, Krug and Char, I was like, I would never count them out. I would never want to play them in the seven-game series. But half those guys are gone, and the other half are on the downside of their career. You saw Bergeron and Martian, obviously, um, and Pasta. But it's like, you can plug a hole or two. You can stick your two fingers in the dam and hold that dam together for a little while. But it, it just seems like something's off. And there's also the tangible of, you guys just aren't playing well this year. Like, if you were in Tampa Bay's division, like, I don't think you guys would be in a playoff spot right now. If you were in the division with Colorado, you'd be in the fourth playoff spot. But, like, you know what I'm trying to say? There's just something. It, you guys aren't the Bruins of the last seven to ten years this year. And, like you said, this is a unique opportunity because these guys are pending UFA. So it's like, if we don't have confidence that we can actually make a run as an organization that make that decision, are we just going to let these guys walk for nothing in the offseason? Or could we try and get something for them? And, you know, change the dynamic in a in a room a little bit. That does, doesn't sound crazy, right? Like I'm just saying, if you want this team to be competitive for the next couple of years with these certain guys around, you're gonna have to do something. And it's hey, not. Do you want to be adding. San Jose? No, fuck no. I want you no parts of San Jose. Like they kept it together for a little too long, and they kept trading away future assets to keep that window open, even though. That window was closing. Even if they went on a little bit of a run, they didn't make an honest assessment, and now look where they're at. And 
I'm not saying you guys are going to crater, but I could see a scenario where, you know, the divisions are back to normal next year. You guys don't make any moves. I'm not saying a sell, but if somebody comes along and like, we'll give you a, a quality prospect and a first for Tuca and you guys turn it down because you're like, well, we need Tuca for the playoffs. And then he leaves as a free agent or he retires or whatever. And then you're back in your standard division next year. And then you're in that five, six hole and there's no future assets coming. Like your prospect pool isn't great at all. And you're sitting there going like, ah, oh, man, like we're kind of stuck in purgatory here. Place you don't want to be. Yep. So, no, I agree. I understand the mindset. I don't know if Sweeney has the balls to blow it up at this point or, like, trade away a Krejci when you guys have a playoff spot. I don't think he's that bold. He's not, but we'll pay for it next year. Yeah. So, um, who do you have for game of the week, lock of the week? So, for the game of the week this week. We got a short turnaround, by the way. (laughs) We do have a very short turnaround, but Saturday is packed. Uh, you have Winnipeg at Montreal. That that's the three and four in the up north division. You have Ottawa and Toronto, and you know Toronto doesn't play good against Ottawa. You have Tampa at Nashville, which I think's big. You have Minnesota at St. Louis with huge repercussions yeah. because St. Louis is dwindling, and then because Vancouver is currently sick, you have the Battle of Alberta, Edmonton at Calgary. So Saturday all day is pretty good. I mean, if you want to start even earlier in the day, the Bruins play Philly at 2 o'clock for the battle of that fourth spot in the division. So you could watch hockey all day Saturday and luck out pretty, pretty good if you ask me. I should do my lock of the week is uh, Vancouver over Calgary because technically I wouldn't lose that pick. <laughs> yeah, so you, you could push it for another week. Um, and do you have a fo- second one or are you sick with that? Oh, uh, for my lock of the week, I am going with. By the way, I'm two behind you for locks. All right, I'll keep it competitive then. I'm going to bet the Suns again at Toronto. All right. Um, my game of the week is on Sunday, April 11th. I'm going uh, Dallas versus Nashville. Playoff implications. You know, Dallas, I still think they have a run in them. I think it needs to start immediately. I, I am curious to see what they do at the deadline because they're another team that I'm like, I feel like no matter who they have, they're always going to have that defensive structure. So it's like, do they take like an, a Lindell and move him for forward health? because they know they can just plug somebody in and they'll get decent production on their back end because of the system they play. So something to think about there. My lock of the week, I am going to go. I, I want to be I want to be a little off the wall here, but I also need to make up two games here in the last few weeks. I'm going to go uh, Chicago over Columbus on the road on Saturday. I think that's a good pick. Yeah. Um, what do you got for shout outs? So for shoutouts this week, I have uh, the Power Play Hockey League uh, up in New Hampshire, so Northern Mass and Southern New Hampshire. Uh, those guys up there have been nothing but understanding about our current beef with Nick Lorenza, <laughs> and uh, I-, I just want to say Don't thank you. Response, huh? Oh no, I-, I finally got a response this week, but I mean, I, I got to be honest, uh, Lorenza's a big guy, and and he took a big dump. I, I think he's scared. But, I mean, that that's just me personally. But a uh, big thank you to the guys at Power Play Hockey for allowing us to enter our team into the uh, C Division, the Lorenzo's Funeral Parlor. And um, I think it's going to be great. Uh, one other shout-out this week. 
you know, it's it, it's April now. We're, we're almost at April vacation. And uh, I think that uh, Uncle James down in Rhode Island, for old time's sake, should have me, Big Kev, go down there. I'll bring Cam. We'll have a little street hockey tournament for old time's sake. That's all. You know, nothing crazy. I mean, if that's the case, shit, I'll come up. Oh, dude, we, we used to have hockey tournaments i think it was actually every february vacation but i think this year you know a little bit warmer you know no marathons you don't have to worry about a commute in and out i think marathon monday or what would be marathon monday we'll go down uncle james play some hockey i don't know did you see uh the red Sox come out with their marathon monday uniforms the blue and yellow I did see those. Those jerseys are actually kind of nice, not going to lie. Yeah, everybody was like, but they're the Red Sox. I'm like, who gives a shit? It's a fucking jersey. Yeah, it looks nice. Fucking everyone's yeah. mad about it. it. It does look like the Brewers, but um, some hockey-related shout-outs as well, but this is more NHL, obviously. Shout-out to Henrik Lundqvist. He oh, had his first yeah. post-surgery sit-down with Kevin Weeks. Uh, it, it was a really great interview. It aired on NHL Network. It's on NHL.com. Uh probably on YouTube at this point, if you guys want to check that out. He talks about um, his surgery, how he found out, kind of his recovery, and also what he's thinking about for his future. There's one quote that I wrote down that I wanted to read, and they asked him about if he hopes to come back and play after his recovery uh, timetable is over. And he said, quote, I love it. I want to compete, and it's going to come down to testing and conversations with the doctors it's coming up, so we're getting close to that point. And until then, I just keep grinding, and then we'll see what happens. So he is a free agent at the end of the year. Sounds like if he gets a clean bill from doctors, if he finds a, a situation where he has a chance of winning a cup, he's going to seriously entertain it. So I, I don't know. If I'm the doctors, I just wouldn't clear him. Like, there's no reason to risk it at this point. Like, can you imagine something happening, him coming back, and he's in a game or something? Um, but it sounds like, I mean, it's Hank. He still has that competitive spirit. Uh, the other thing is, I promised you, Kev, that I would come up with one or two surprise names for a trade deadline. I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about uh, the trades that were made. I got two names that I think, I'm just trying to be crazy here and say, like, if these guys, I could see these guys with a 5% chance of being traded. And if it does pull off, I just wanted to be the one to call it here first. All right. First one. I'm doing one from each quote-unquote conference. First one, Jeff Carter out of L.A. Second Do- one, I don't have a team. Pick a board check. Uh, know who I was actually very surprised that I saw on a list of possibly being moved? Scott Lawton, be- because he does a lot mm-hmm. for that team. I-, I saw them on a list, and I'm like, is that sure? But it said allegedly the Flyers were taking calls on him. And, I mean, he was a big first-round pick for them, and he plays that Philly style of hockey. But yeah, he can definitely help someone. Ass. Yeah. That's why I was like, Voracek, because, listen, A.V. was a coach here in New York for, like, five years. I know, familiar with how he likes to handle things, and the Flyers were supposed to be much better, better than the artist here. They have fallen off a cliff towards the end of the season. Their defensive structure is terrible. I think they still have poten- the potential, obviously, they need to figure out what the hell is going on with Carter Hart, but to make some noise next year. And I think A.V. needs to get the Hank guy's attention. And I think moving out a guy like Voracek and be- basically telling everybody, no one's fucking job is safe here, get your shit together, I think that's something A.V. would be completely on board with. Hey, we shall see what happens, pal. 
Yeah, so those are my shout-outs this week, and obviously the Cobster. And the Cobster, my girl. Well, <laughs> everybody, as always, thank you for listening. We will be back with you on Monday night, so we're either going to release Monday night or Tuesday morning going over a trade deadline review. And then we will see what the rest of the week has in store, if there's any big surprises, if Benny called some secret guys on the move. <laughs> Or if my Bruins actually try to add or subtract at the deadline, whatever is going to happen, we're going to play it out for you guys almost live, just delayed by a day or two. But <laughs> anywho, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. India. Now